Welcome everyone, I'm your host, Angelo Santiago, and this is the We Are The Men podcast, a show that is dedicated to sharing the stories of men who are all connected by a commitment to having a positive impact on the world through the actions they take in their own lives. My guest today is Joe Spiridon. Joe is a leader in men's works retreats, one-on-one coaching, groups, and online courses. He's worked with men all over the world, helping them connect back to their own emotions, as well as to connect with other men. He's also a husband and a father of four teenagers. Joe and I have known each other for a couple years. He's a great friend. We've shared a lot of time together, a lot of stories together. And it's an honor to have you here, Joe, on the We Are The Men podcast for us to have this conversation for other men to hear, to see if they can relate to where you are, uh, what we are sharing, and really just invite more curiosity into the conversation. So Joe, thank you so much for being here. It is a pleasure. Well, thank you, brother. I'm honored to be here your presence. Awesome. Thank you. So I love to start these conversations before we get into the history of Joe, like what has happened, you know, how things have shifted for you, what actions you've taken, what you're doing now. I always like to start in the present moment. And the present moment to me, I always think about what season of life am I in? What's happening right now in my life that's calling my attention, that my heart is drawn to, and it's guiding me to kind of the next step. So for you right now, if you take a look around and breathe into it, what season of life do you find yourself in? That is a wonderful question. You know, as, as I have different aspects and components of life and I ponder looking out my window at the, the snowy mountains here in Utah, there are parts of my life that are ending. And as always, other parts of my life that are just beginning. My youngest son just turning 13 and going into that period of life where I'm going to have four teenagers rather than little children and reflecting on what an experience that was to have young children and just keeping them all alive and keeping them all moving and and doing the same with myself. And with the different pursuits that I've been doing in men's work, I've been building for quite a while and creating for quite a while and now feeling like I have a solid foundation and space to move forward, especially here locally again in Utah. It's ironic with the new year, so many times we want to start physical fitness and the you know season of, of new beginnings with those things. And everything my body is telling me right now is just rest, <laughs> just mm. hibernate and not feeling a lot of the physical drive to pursue things in, in other ways, but still maintaining good health and, and some of that. So I appreciate that question. I think there's varied states that I'm in, but the awareness, I think, is what matters most. Absolutely. The awareness, you yeah, have the present moment and what, what the present moment is inviting you deeper into, inviting us deeper into. I want to touch on a little bit of your journey as a father. And, you know, whenever I'm talking to somebody who has some more experience in an aspect of life that I don't, my first curiosity comes to like, okay, what is it that I can learn here in this conversation from this man who's sitting across from me? And with you having four children who are all stepping into the teenage years, for men like myself who have younger kids, or maybe even fathers who are listening, fathers-to-be who are listening, in those moments of young parenting, of young children, what is it that you want to leave with the men who are listening right now? The first thing that comes to mind is probably the most cliche, and that is to enjoy it while you're there. I remember moments of just utter exhaustion when they're all little, when they're in diapers, when you're dealing with feeding babies and they're growing out of clothes as fast as you can purchase them and 
they seem to be transitioning through so many different experiences in life. And it really did feel at times like all I could do was keep my head above water. And at the same time, I look back on those times now fondly with just beautiful memories. And I love my children as they are now. They're really amazing teenagers and, you know, moving into adulthood. And I'm grateful for that. And there are aspects of those younger years that I wish that I had been more present for, mostly mentally and emotionally present, not letting my cell phone take me away quite as much, not letting worries about work and other things take me away quite as much because those years are, they, they're just fleeting. You can't recover them. So you can experience them again in that present moment and know that there are aspects that are going to get easier and there are aspects that are going to get more challenging. So much of it for me, and this is what I talk with a lot of men about in so many aspects of life is rather than saying, when this thing happens, then I will feel better. When this thing happens, then I will be happy is developing a love for the journey, a love for the process. Mm. And so much of that is, is true in parenting. Yeah. Uh, quote that I have heard that I was like, it's not in the doing, it's in the becoming, right? It's not what you're doing every single moment, but it's like this, in this experience, who am I becoming? And that is the journey. So I love that you touched on that. And I can so relate to, even though right now my son is four years old, but the other day there was a picture of him when he was two years old that I was looking at. And I just looked back and I, I got a little sad. I was like, oh man, he's never going to be that little guy again. And, and I love where he's at. And there's so many things about him right now that, oh, this was so hard back then. It's so much easier now. But like, oh, there's other things now. Like you said, when I talked to older parents of older children, you know, and ask them, is like, is this thing ever going to get easier? And you're like, yeah, that'll get easier. But this other thing is going <laughs> to, it's going to be the challenge. So thank you for sharing all that. And I want to touch on a little bit on what you said, the importance of being present in the emotions, in the actual like physical interaction with the kids, not being on the phone so much, not worrying about work so much, not worrying about all these other things. And, and this can apply with kids, with partnerships, with family, with friendships, what have you found to be from kind of the looking back and kind of struggling with that? What has been the thing that has helped you most or the few things that have helped you most to be very present and be able to put down that phone and be able to turn off that computer and, and just be in the present moment? What was the maybe an aha moment that you had that, that guided you there? One of my mentors and someone I know you're very familiar with, Kevin Walton, talks very much about being in the present moment. And one of the things that I remember him sharing at one point in time is when you're working, you're not quote unquote sacrificing your time as a father. When you're being a father and being present with children, you're not again, sacrificing your time at work. And I had that mindset for a lot of years and wherever I was, I was always aware that there was somewhere else that I, again, maybe should be was the story I was telling myself. And so I was never there, whether it was work, whether it was with my children, whether it was with my partner, whether it was at the gym, everywhere that I was, I was thinking about the 10 other places that I should be. And as I started to give myself permission to be where I was, I was obviously able to be more present mentally and emotionally. And I was able to start finding fulfillment in that thing. 
Because for example, work, if I was at work and thinking, oh, I should be home as a, as a father and doing these things, well, then my energy towards work was not super effective. Yeah. And then when I was with my children, I was always thinking about work. My energy as a father was not super effective. So I became much more effective and much more fulfilled in the things that I was doing when I gave myself permission to be there. The other half of that being a lot of times we'll talk about work-life balance or, you know, just finding balance in life. And balance, I think, is the wrong word to use because that implies that everywhere that you are, you should be spending the same amount of time somewhere else. And to me, it has a lot more to do with harmony than it does balance. So if you know anything about music, sometimes certain notes are really loud and played for a lot longer. And sometimes they're very short and very soft. And that difference between the notes is what creates something beautiful. If you played all the same notes for the same amount of time at the same volume, it wouldn't sound great. It would be balanced, but it wouldn't be harmonious. And so I continually look at, am I in harmony in my life between the places that I'm spending my time? I love that analogy to the music. Because as you were talking, I could just see like, oh yeah. like. And then what what type of music am I listening to? What's the genre? What does it feel like? What does it feel like in my body? And, and how do I incorporate that into the different experiences that I have? And as you were sharing, one of the things that came to mind in, in reflecting is there are certain things that I feel that I'm really good at when I am doing that thing. I am so present, so focused, and there's nothing else on my mind. But then there are other things that I do that, yeah, I'm a little bit more scattered. Maybe I struggle here, I struggle there. And as I reflect on that, it gives me the opportunity to be like, what are the aspects of those that focus that I have and the presence that I have here that I'm lacking over here? So that awareness makes me curious about like, okay, how can I bring more of that into the other thing? So my experience with that has been if I know why I'm doing the thing that I'm doing, if I have a clear why as to why I'm doing the thing that I'm doing, it's much easier for me to be present in that. If I'm there and I don't want to be there, I have a resentment about being there, I'm not quite sure why I'm there, it is very difficult for me to be 100% there. So oftentimes, if I go to the gym and I don't want to be at the gym, it is very hard to stay focused. But if I'm there and I commit to that space and I know why I'm doing that, then my ability to focus there becomes much easier. Yeah. So let's talk about the harmony in the life of Joe Spiridon. Let's go backwards a little bit. You know, the starting point of the where this beautifully composed symphony comes to life. So take us back to a moment in your life where maybe it wasn't so harmonious, where you were struggling to be in many places all at the same time, doing too much. Maybe that emotional capacity just hadn't been built up yet that ultimately led you to make a change, to really try something new, to do something different and brought you onto the journey and the path and the steps that you're taking right now. So what what did life for Joe used to look like that maybe some of our listeners can relate in their present moment as they look around their life that like, you know what, this kind of sounds like me. So can you paint us a picture? Yeah, absolutely. So what life looked like for me when I kind of entered into a crisis existential state was I was approaching 40 years old. I had these younger children. I've been working as a, the sole provider for my family for a number of years and finding a level of fulfillment in that doing all of the things that I had been told you're supposed to do in society. I built a career. I purchased a home. 
I had children. I'd raised those children. I was engaged in certain aspects of my family and my community. But really, the majority of my life was what we would call the nice guy, where I spent 90% of my energy trying to manage the emotional state of everyone else around me. And when there was conflict, I avoided it. I spent most of my time not talking about my own feelings, not talking about where I was at, what I was experiencing, mostly because I was unaware of it. I had repressed it for quite a while. One of the things that I've become aware of is I found actually a certain level of fulfillment in the suffering. I'm suffering, therefore I'm doing something good. I hate my job, but I still go. And it was this masochistic, that's part of being a man, is is suffering and still doing it and still providing. And I would kind of build myself up that way. And I had the same story that nobody else cares what I'm going through. Nobody else uh, would even know. And there's a lot of shame around it, too, because clearly all the other men around me have things figured out. Their finances are in better order. Their relationships are in better order. Their health is in better order. They're better parents. They're all all the things. This was the narrative. And most of my life was just making sure that everybody else felt okay so that I could just keep on providing. The analogy that I use is if there was a water well, there was very little water at the bottom of the well. It was muddy. It was gross. It was all that I had. And I kept giving the very bottom parts of what I had. And I was resentful because it was all I had. And the people that I was giving it to didn't like it because it was muddy and murky and and insufficient, frankly. So that's where I was at. And that's what I was trying to balance. And I did that for a long time. And one of the things that I've learned about men is what the culture has been, is that we will do that and we will break ourselves We will kill ourselves until we literally die or we come like just this close to dying. And then we will maybe consider asking for help. Mm -hmm. So that's where I was at. Thank you for being so honest and sharing that. And I mean, almost every point that you listed out, I look back on my story and approaching my 40s, these resentment and the decisions that I was making in my life in terms of like work, the, the struggles of being a parent of a young child, like so much relation. And a couple of things you said that I loved was that comparison aspect, that looking at my life and then looking outwardly and comparing myself, especially nowadays in social media and everything else or what we see that, that people are putting out and comparing myself and thinking like, wow, I'm the only one that's this messed up. I'm the only one. And seeing that, you know what, I'm excited to hear the rest of your story. But for me, it's like that connection to other men is what solved that comparison. And when you were talking about balancing all these things, all I could picture is like juggling plates, right? It's not even like holding a balance. It's just like trying to keep all the plates spinning and then how to slow that down. Yeah. So I I found myself doing 20 things at once and doing all of them pretty poorly. And that caused a lot of the anxiety, caused a lot of the panic. And At that point, I started to have these feelings through the anxiety, through the panic of, man, I just, I don't think I can handle this anymore. I don't think I can keep doing this. I don't think I can keep pushing through this. And the suicidal ideation started to come into mind. And in my mind, it was, I would never do that to my family. It still wasn't about me, but I would never do that to my partner. I would never do that to my children. I would never do that to my parents. And I fought that for several months. 
And then one day I got home on a Sunday and I had the thought, man, I should do that for them because I was such a mess and I was just depleting everybody else around me. And that brought me such a feeling of peace. And that scared me because now I had no reason not to. And I, I went down that path. I, I considered that. I planned that. And there was one last ditch effort, which was I saw an advertisement for an event, for a retreat. And it didn't feel like it met who I was. I didn't feel like I, I met the demographic. Partly, again, because I'm looking at all these other people and saying they don't get it. They don't understand me. But also, I'm not like them. And I went to this event with Sacred Sons. And I was there. And the first thing they did is they lined me up across from another guy that looked nothing like me, that had nothing to do with me, that had nothing as far as the same circumstances that I had in life. And they said, what mask do you wear? This was 2020, so there was additional irony to that question. But this guy went first and he took down his mask that he was wearing. And he told me that the mask that he wore was my mask. The damn guy stole my answers. The panic that he was feeling, the fear that he was feeling, the overwhelm that he was feeling, that nobody gets it, the shame that he had associated with that. And then I met another guy and he said the same thing. And then I met another guy and he said the same thing. And I had this profound moment of, I'm not alone. I'm still miserable, but I'm not alone. And that was a, a catalyst moment for me in, in beginning down this path. Thank you, Joe. I mean, those are powerful words for any man to say, you know, to be re reminded that I'm not alone. And especially in the condition that you found yourself in the mental state, the emotional state that you found yourself in. So next, in my mind, I'm just like on the edge of my seat. So what happened next, right? So you, you found this connection piece. You found other men who you could relate to and realize that, oh man, okay, I'm not alone. I can do this in connection, in relationship. There's a new way for me. So share a little bit about that. So as, as that weekend progressed, I continued to go in and out of some different feelings and again stepping into one of the conversations with Kevin Walton and as I stepped into this conversation in really just the depths of, of sadness and depression and anxiety and fear I was told that everything in my life I had created and I was furious furious with this statement and like how no way would I ever do this to myself but it started to click and I realized all the steps that I had taken, all the things that I had done to take myself to this place. This wasn't about other people and how they'd shown up or not shown up, but all the things that I had done, all the things that I had allowed, all the things that I hadn't spoken to. And I started to own it, which was really hard because it was much easier to be a victim. It was much easier to feel helpless. But I had to start saying, yeah, yeah, I've contributed to this. I've contributed to poor relationships. I've contributed to my own unhappiness, my own lack of health. But as I started to take ownership, I started to feel this new feeling that I hadn't felt in quite a while, which was a level of empowerment. Because owning all the things that I had done, I realized that I started to have choice again. And that I, I had choice to start doing different things. 
and realizing that I could choose different things in my life that really started to wake me up and wake myself up to the reality of that, that space. I'm getting goosebumps over here, man. This is beautiful. And, and just to kind of keep praising the work that Kevin Walton does and, and what he did for you. And I know I have my own experiences in working with him as well. You know, what I hear in your story, what she often says is like, okay, with this awareness, what will I choose? With this awareness, what will I choose? So it sounded like you chose life. You chose yourself. You chose facing aspects of yourself that maybe you hadn't faced before. And you chose connection with other men. And it seems like that has guided you to, you know, amongst many other things. And maybe you can add to what else did you choose? But where has that guided you? Give us a picture of coming out of that, having that awareness, making choices to change, to focus on yourself, your purpose, your family, your impact, the the things that you're meant to bring into this world. Give us a snapshot of where that took you. I was very fortunate in, I purchased the ticket to this event very last minute, which meant I had to drive and it was an 11 hour drive. So I got an 11 hour drive afterwards as well. And in that drive, I'd been to enough work events. I'd been to enough work retreats. I'd had enough experiences with three day weekends. And I'd I'd had enough people in my life come out of rehab to know that this experience was not going to be sustainable for me long-term. I was going back to all the same circumstances, all the same things that I created. And I didn't want to go back and just blow up my life. But I was aware of the fact that I, I desired connection and I desired support moving forward. And Sacred Sons continued to play a, a beautiful role in that as I stepped into leadership and, and different things with those brothers. But as I came home, I started to gather men together locally. And we, over a period of time, that grew and developed. At first, it was just me. Again, it was 2020. December 2nd, I think, of 2020, I, I held my first event. Nobody showed up. Nobody showed. The second one, I said, okay, people are still kind of freaked out. I'm going to do it online. Nobody showed. <laughs> but I kept showing up. And over the past three and a half years, that has continued to grow. And it's grown to hundreds of men here locally that have been able to attend and participate in the Utah Men's Circle and find connection find support, find a community where we talk about real things and that can start to translate into day-to-day life. So that's been a a big aspect of what I knew I needed and so somewhat selfishly created for myself, but have been able to witness so many wonderful men benefiting from it as well. Joe, I just want to take a moment to honor your commitment, right? Like your your dedication and and I can relate to it because I, I felt that too and coming out of an experience that profoundly changed my awareness of myself, I I had the same thing where I'm going to go home and I'm still going to have the same job. I'm still going to be, my relationship is not going to have changed overnight just because I went to this weekend. How I act as a a father isn't necessarily going to change immediately because I went to this weekend and I'm still going to have the same circles that I walk in. So the question becomes like, what is it that I need to do in order to show up, in order to make lasting change. And so I just want to honor you and your commitment to that of keep showing up of no matter what, even these guys, you know, nobody showed up the first time, nobody showed up the second time you just kept doing. And I see what you're doing now, you know, on the online space, I see the men who are coming together and the impact that you're having. And it's beautiful. 
this is a, a reminder to all men listening out there that anything worth doing may be challenging and just keep coming back, keep showing up, keep doing the thing that you know that your heart is dedicated to and the results will come over time. I, I often say to people that, you know, we have these narrow f time frames where it's like, oh, I expect this change to happen in a week or two weeks. So it's like, okay, well, that's fine. But if it doesn't, can you like vision out to what does it look like in three months, in six months, in a year, in two years, in five years, like think about if you keep doing these small incremental things, think about the progression that your life and the impact that you're having in your community could look like. So that's beautiful. So let's talk about the spaces that you've created. For you specifically, what have you found to be like your calling or the vision that you have in creating these spaces? Like what is it that you are here to offer the world at the community level, at the local level, at the men who are showing up for you? What is Joe Spearden's you know, heart and gift being provided here? Yeah, I, I appreciate that question. I love being able to speak to these things because it has been a process of discovering and then covering so much of this. I speak with so many men that are saying like, what's my purpose? I'm trying to find my purpose in life, my purpose in the world. And oftentimes I believe that we have a, a notion in our heads that that is bestowed upon us. And that is something somewhat beyond our control. And I felt that for a long time and I sought for that for a long time. And I began to realize that it really has to do with what do you want to do? Where do you want to show up? And for myself, having benefited from this community that I had built, I compare everything back to physical fitness often. I've, I've spent a lot of time in that industry as well. And again, a retreat, spending three or four days focused on your physical fitness is amazing. And going and having maybe one or two workouts a month in the park is also a really beneficial thing. And that's kind of what I compare the men's circle to because we'll get together about twice a month. There's anywhere from 30 to 80 men and we have two and a half hours. There's not a lot of time for dropping in into deep connection and doing some deeper work, but it is a great introductory space and a great place for men to start experiencing the benefits that can come through that. So what I started to develop, I, it's called the Algae's Guard. Algae's is a, a Nordic rune that that represents safety and significance and those are very important aspects in my mind to life and specifically to masculinity as we show up in the world so the algae's guard is both online and in person so the majority of the men are from utah but we have men from all over the united states and into canada and into europe as well and we get together every week and we talk about real life online we gather monthly several times to talk in person. We meet different thresholds. We have little adventures. We do community service and contribution. Every man has some unique aspect of himself to bring into this group. And I knew that I didn't want to go try to be a retreat space. I think Sacred Sons and some other organizations do a beautiful job at that. And I know how important those spaces can be. And I, I very much am still in favor of people and men going to experience those things. What I've created is the space that you can come back to and the space that when you do come back, that you have built in already a consistent and somewhat constant level of support. So if it's, oh, hey, this is great. We'll talk to you again in four weeks. 
four weeks is a long time to hold things by yourself. And it's not the way that we've really evolved as, as humanity to do. So it's a place to come together and get daily opportunities at mental growth, emotional growth, spiritual growth, connection, having a place to be able to support other men and have other men support you to celebrate victories together. Just all the things that we're missing out on in the isolated state we find ourselves. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. The The journey home post one of these life-changing experiences, these peak experience that you might get at an in-person retreat, it, the experience is incredibly valuable and can shift so many things. But that journey home, the coming back, once again, coming back to the life that you left before this retreat is still there. So then how do you keep developing that? How do you build the support locally or online? Just that continued connection is such an important piece for men to have. So I'm so grateful that you have created that for so many men. It's it's beautiful. Thank you. It's It's, it's an exciting thing. And it's exciting to see how men's lives are changing in that space because it is it is subtle. These weekends, you know, when I used to do personal training, I would tell men that I would train. It's going to take eight weeks for you to start to notice a difference in yourself. It's going to take probably 12 weeks for anybody else, you know, close to you to notice. And it's going to take 16 before everybody else starts to see it. Yeah. And true to form, our masculine health is very much the same way. You can start to glimpse that, but as you show up consistently for six, seven, eight weeks, it is amazing to see the transformation in the way men show up in their own lives, in their marriages, in their employment, as fathers, in their communities, and they're, they're finding success, they're finding happiness, they're finding ambition for new pursuits because they have this support system that they hadn't had previous. Yeah. Joe, as we unfortunately start to close out this conversation because I, I could go on for a long time with you. There's just so much gold that's being shared here on your end and so much that I am just in total agreement with you in. I want to give you the opportunity to just share one last advice or invitation, whatever it is that you feel that that man who's listening to us right now needs to hear in this moment. When I think back to that time, where I was told that everything that I was suffering from was my own fault. I recognized that I had such an aversion to taking accountability, to taking responsibility for my life. And that is because I had, through the way that I was raised and through, I believe, what society teaches us, I had learned that taking accountability meant I needed to take accountability for everybody else's feelings, everybody else's thoughts, everybody else's opinion of those things in me. And that's an impossible task to manage for anybody. We kill ourselves doing this, literally. When I started to redefine this, to recognize, hey, Joe, yeah, you have some misalignment here. You're doing something here that is not serving you or those that you love. And I started to see taking accountability as an invitation to look at myself and not to shame myself, not to get down on myself, but to realign. Everything kind of changed for me in that moment. And accountability doesn't have to be this scary, shameful process anymore because it has very little to do with anybody else. It has everything to do with how you are willing to see yourself and hold yourself to the standard that you know you're capable of. And then when you come into men's work and you talk to your brothers, they don't hold you accountable to them. They hold you accountable to you. And that is empowering. That's exciting. 
And I get men that just are so looking forward to being able to do that because they know the results that it yields. So good, brother. So good. Now, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, this guy, I want to connect with him more. Maybe they're local to where you are. Maybe they're in Utah. Maybe they're wherever they are in the world and they want to check out the online group. They want to just pick your brain on a couple of things that you said here. How can they connect with you? How can they connect with Algie's Guard? What are the best ways to do that? Yeah, the two best ways would probably be Instagram, which is just at Joe Spearden. And then my website is algiesguard.com. So it's very straightforward, but you can see all the different offerings that are there, the different things that we're working on and see if it aligns for you. Great. And we'll have that in the show notes. So just click below and you can find a link to connect with Joe to see what Algies Guard is up to in and how you can get engaged with that. So Joe, I want to say thank you. Before we close out, I like to do a little visualization with my guests. I want to see what words come through you, what has to be said here on your end as we close out this podcast episode. So I invite you to take a nice deep breath and allow your eyes to close down. And you find yourself on an open field. Thousands of men are with you and you are about to address the world. You begin to speak, and I want you to finish this sentence. We are the men who. We are the men who care. We are the men who are here to do the work, to bring about the evolution of humanity. Thank you, Joe. We are the men who care. Thank you. Joe, for being here, for sharing all that came through with your heart wide open. I feel that so much. And thank you for listening, for joining us on the We Are The Men podcast. We Are The Men is a global movement, and I want to invite you, the listener, to be a part of it. Go to wearethemen.com to sign up for our mailing list and learn how you can get involved. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to rate and follow this podcast to help us reach more listeners. All of us know men who could benefit from hearing these conversations and engaging with our community. Please share this podcast today with someone you know. I'm Angela Santiago. Thank you, Joe Spiridon, and we are the men. <laughs>